you have been with us the last couple of weeks, we are in a conversation called Gospel and Work. Um, the word gospel means the good news. That's what it means, the good news. And when we use the word gospel here, we mean the good news about Jesus and the good news of Jesus. The good news about Jesus meaning the stories that people tell about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, coming back to life, giving us an opportunity for salvation if we trust in him, and the gospel of Jesus, where Jesus walked this earth for 33 years and for three years of ministry, he spoke of amazing things that were the kingdom of God. And as Jesus came and spoke about these amazing things, uh, there was a reality that the kingdom of God was coming in our midst. And so that's the, the gospel, the good news of and about Jesus. We've been talking about this for a while here. And so what we're hoping is in this month, uh, those of you who were at the event yesterday, the last two weeks, and then today and next week, we're hoping that you can make deeper connections between the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and your vocation, your vocation, your work, what you do. Uh, with most of your time, okay? So that's our hope. It's really interesting because Christian Ann pointed out a couple weeks ago, Mill City Church, um, if you don't know, the reason we named it Mill City is because we knew that our mission was going to be to love our community in the name of Jesus. And since our community worships here in Northeast Minneapolis, we thought it made sense to name our church Mill City because it's one of the oldest nicknames for Minneapolis. And that's why the word, the phrase Mill City is on a lot of other things um, too. But what's also true is that it's named... Mill City, our church's name, is named after one of the earliest vocations of the city of Minneapolis, the sawmills and the flour mills, the people who did lots and lots of really hard labor, and the economy of Minneapolis was built on their backs of really hard work in sawmills and flour mills, people who built the original houses just a few blocks from here that were a part of St. Anthony that's now Minneapolis. This is really cool for us because I think that there's a growing passion for us as a church to be people who really think well and live into what it means to connect got the gospel and our vocation, to connect the gospel and our work. And I, I just thought it was kind of profound that we also have a name on our community that represents the earliest jobs that many people had here in the city. But the truth about our community here is that we've got a lot of diverse vocations. So I know this is a little challenging, but I just want to make a list of some of them that are here in the room. So if you would, just we don't have to do everybody, but just a few of the different vocations that are represented in this room. Can we do that? So tell me what you do, and I'm just going to write it down. Sales. Okay, good. What else? All right, purchasing. Education. What else? Yes, pastries. So I'll just put chef because that's fun. All right, what else? Nurse, web, web stuff. So uh, medical. There's a lot of web stuff. Social work. What else? Students. Absolutely. When you are a student and you're a full-time student, that is your work. That is your main vocation. Absolutely. What else? Parents. Especially people who are spending most of their time with their children. I think that makes a lot of sense, but we're using the word vocation. Notice I've used the word vocation. Lots of the things that we do that are really important parts of our work, actually Amy Sherman, the woman who we learned from yesterday, she would say, for most of us, some of the most important work we do, we don't get paid for. The work of our life is bigger than just our jobs. And so being a parent, absolutely. What else? Anything? One more. Arts. Volunteer. Absolutely. If what I just said is true, then volunteering and giving of your time without getting compensation 
is part of your vocation. Absolutely. How about people who are unemployed? They've got work, right? Looking for a job is really hard work, I've heard. Yes? That is part of, of looking for work, I would say, is a vocation. Or figuring out what to do if you are needing to make a transition in working in your life and perhaps you're moving towards a place where you're needing to use your time and energy in ways that aren't for a job because of various factors. This is the reality. We all have a vocation. The life, the, the work of our life is our vocation. And if we really believe that this has something to do with the kingdom of God and this has something to do with the gospel, then I think this is a really important thing for us to pay attention to. So we're suggesting that the gospel that Jesus shared, what Jesus said, and today I want to focus on this, the gospel of Jesus, what Jesus said was the good news, has a really big impact and makes a really big difference on our work. And uh, so when we're talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the story, we're recognizing that at the beginning of the story, God created humans and created us to work, and it was good, right? It was actually really good to co-labor, to co-work with God. Then work got messed up. Anybody have an amen? Work got kind of messed up. It got really hard and difficult. Jesus came to redeem all things, including ourselves and our work. And now we're living in a time where Jesus' kingdom is coming around us, but we're waiting until the future when the kingdom of God comes fully and all things are not only just redeemed, but completely restored. And it's in this time that we believe that God is continuing to work, which means we're invited to continue to work with God, co-work with God. And what's amazing is most of the work that God continues to do in the world, he does through us. God didn't have to do that, by the way. But God chose to do that. And I think there's a little sense of, can I be grateful that God invited me to do something with him that he could have done without me? I think that's an amazing thing. But the truth is, as we asked you all what you wanted to talk about during this conversation, there was something that came up over and over and over, and that was the subject of burnout. Because if what I just said, we can be grateful and have gratitude that God invited us to co-work with him. If you're facing burnout, it doesn't feel anything like that, does it? So people, you all said, you know, if we're going to talk about gospel and work and vocation, one of the things that many of us want to address is burnout. The idea that your work life has become so stressful that you feel that you might be hitting some sort of wall, um, some sort of dead end, and there could even be worse consequences to the stress wreaking havoc on your body and on your life. So I asked, but the community time question was, have you experienced burnout in your life? Would you raise your hand if you're willing to say if you've ever experienced burnout in your life? I have, uh, particularly from our vocation. I won't ask you to share if you are experiencing it right now, um, but I bet some of you know that you are. And if you don't know, I actually have a quiz, okay, six questions. And if you want to answer these questions in your mind for yourself, you can. If you are sitting next to your spouse and you're going to answer it for them, you can do that too, or a friend. Um, but I think it's, these are good questions for all of us. There was a pastor that I, I heard give the same quiz. So here's the first question. When you get back from vacation, do you feel rested and ready for work, or do you feel the same amount of dread that you felt for work before you went on vacation? All right. <laughs> Yikes. Sometimes we laugh when we're so uncomfortable with our reality. Right? Yeah. You find it difficult, number two, you find it difficult to focus on your job. Now, some of you find it difficult to focus in general, and we love you, but I'm saying, like, this is an unusual thing for you. You're finding it hard to, to focus. Third, do the demands of your job weigh on you when you're not at work? Are you taking your work home, as people say? Sometimes you're actually taking work to do, but sometimes you emotionally take work to do. Is that happening? Fourth, 
Do you find yourself constantly thinking about greener pastures and wondering if anyone can see your monitor as you're looking for other jobs while you're at work, right? And, and this, this idea that maybe there's something else I could be doing, I'm starting to feel trapped here, okay? Uh, five, would you say you're more enthusiastic or apathetic about your job if you had to pick one or the other? If you're apathetic, you're probably going towards burnout. Six, are you chronically tired or losing sleep because of your job? And this is, that's actually, a, like, not funny. That's really scary because sleep is one of the biggest predictors of health in our lives. And so if we're losing sleep, we're literally taking years off the end of our life. So that's a big one. I would say if you are answered yes to, like, three or four of those, then this is a, this is a situation you're facing right now, a situation of burnout. USA Today did a poll that suggests that 63% of all Americans at any given moment are experiencing high amounts of stress or burnout in their jobs. 63%, that's a high number. And that's just the people who are being honest, right? So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as people who want to see what the good news has to do with our work when the word good doesn't seem to fit at all with what we're experiencing at work? What does this mean for us when we're trying to figure out if we should stay in our job or switch jobs and these different things, these questions that come up, how do we even know if we should look for something else? And I think the most important question is, what is God saying about all of this? What's God saying to us and what might God be saying to you specifically? So yesterday at the event, I was talking to Rollin Brask. He's right there. Wave, Rollin. That's Rollin. If you don't know him, you should. And Rollin told me this really interesting story. He said 15 years ago, he was in a, a job where he was feeling these, these six things, basically. He was feeling burnout, and he was starting to feel anxious about it and really stressed. And he came to a Friday, and he thought, I'm going to pray about it this weekend, but honestly, I think I'm going to quit on Monday. <laughs> I don't even have another job lined out for me, but I am so stressed and burned out and sick of what I'm experiencing that I'm going to pray about it, but I think I'm going to quit. Have you been there where Rollin was? Are you feeling that right now? Are you sitting next to a spouse who's feeling that right now? Or a friend? I think this is an important question for us. So to press further into what I think God's perspective might be on this, like I said, I think that's the most important question. I want to just read three different things that Jesus said during his ministry, three things that are a part of the gospel of Jesus, what Jesus said about the good news, and see if this has anything to do with what we're experiencing in our vocations or what we have when we've experienced burnout. So the first one is in Mark 1, 14 through 15. I'm just going to kind of breeze through these. Some of these would be familiar to some of you. So this is right as Jesus is starting his ministry. He comes out of the wilderness. He's experienced the temptations, and he's overcome this in the wilderness. And he comes out, and it says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So that's the word right there. You could say proclaiming the gospel of God, but he uses the, the NIV says good news. The time has come. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, or repent and believe the gospel. This is how Jesus starts his ministry. So here, he's saying something really intentional here. The kingdom of God has come near. Um, in other places, it says the kingdom of God is in your midst. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning you could reach out your hand and touch it. So Jesus is saying something really huge that people would have never heard before. The second thing that Jesus says that I want to point out is in John 10.10. 10. He's speaking actually to a bunch of Pharisees, religious leaders. And he's speaking to them and he says this phrase, The thief 
speaking of the enemy or Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Does a life that you're having to the full sound like anything that has to do with burnout? Not at all, right? And here Jesus is giving us this clue that there's this enemy, this thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And actually, as Jesus was speaking to these Pharisees, he was suggesting that they were doing the work of that enemy, actually. And that there is sometimes humans who are participating in the work of that enemy by making, uh, stealing our joy and taking it from us. But Jesus doesn't want you to focus on the people who are stealing the joy, because some of you are like, I'm writing my boss's name down, we're having a conversation tomorrow. That's not the point. Jesus is saying, look at me, I have come, so that you can have life and have it to the full. Third and final thing that Jesus says that I think is really relevant to this conversation, and that's in Matthew 25, or Matthew 6, 6.33. So, Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, this is during the Sermon on the Mount, really intentional uh, deliverance of a lot of, a lot of things that Jesus says, but he says this one little phrase that I think is really important. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is talking about all of life and all the things that are worrying us and all the complexities and all the things that we're facing. And he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Righteousness means wrong things being made right, setting things right. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's ability to make wrong things right, and then all the things you worry about will come together. Maybe not right away, but they will. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about this kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And this is a mysterious thing to a lot of us. But in the kingdom of God, all the wrong things are made right. In the kingdom of God, we see things that remind us of Jesus and remind us of God and of the Holy Spirit. In the kingdom of God, we get this foretaste of the future reality, this future new Jerusalem, this new city where we'll be with God and there'll be no more crying and tears and mourning and burnout. Right? And so I gave you this pink spoon. Hold up your pink spoon. I gave you this pink spoon because I heard a pastor say this, and it really stuck out to me. The little pink spoon, you get one of these when you get gelato, right? And you, and you get the gelato, and you taste a little bit of the salted caramel. And you're deciding, do I want the salted caramel or not, right? And then you're like, oh, I'll have a little bit of the raspberry sorbet, but I, I obviously don't want that. I want the one with more calories. And, and, but you taste it anyway. This is, this is what the, the foretaste of the kingdom is like. Little tastes of the future hope that God has for us. Little reminders that God is still doing something and someday will change everything and renew all things. These are the pink spoon moments. And so what I want to encourage us today is, can we find the pink spoon moments in our vocational lives? If the vocation you have is the work you do with your life, are there foretastes of the kingdom of God? Things that remind you that something better is coming, like a whole thing of three scoops of gelato, right? Something else is going to come, and we just get a little taste of it, and it draws us in. I bet there's a lot of people in the world who wonder why we follow Jesus. Maybe if they had a taste of it, it would say, oh, I want that. <laughs> Let's try the raspberry sorbet too, but I, yeah, what, what's this? Right? The foretaste. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to look for the pink spoon moments or the pink spoon aspects of our jobs. Because we could do a little talk right now about the 10 ways to not be burned out or like five things you can do to come out of burnout or a whole sermon on whether you should quit your job or not. Some of you are like, when's that one? 
right? No, no. If you're supposed to quit your job, we need to start praying about it. You need a team of people to pray with you. Like, let's do that. But I actually think that Jesus is inviting us into something really different than just changing our circumstances. I actually think that Jesus is inviting us into something that makes, makes our whole perspective have to shift. In fact, I would say this. Burnout, and we have a slide for this. I'll put it up on the screen here. Adam, thanks. Burnout is most related with the posture of your heart and whether or not you can connect your vocation with purposes beyond yourself. Burnout is most related with the posture of your heart and whether or not you can connect your vocation with purposes beyond yourself. Whether or not you can find the pink spoon moments that remind you that there's something bigger than you that you're a part of. I really think that that's at the core of it. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? How do we even do that? And I want to suggest that today, for a a vast majority of these jobs that we listed, there is, and I would use this phrase, inherent kingdom value. There is inherent kingdom value in what you do. And some of you right now are like, yeah, in the person sitting next to me, but not in what I do. But I want to suggest today that there is. And if, honestly, if you, I'm going to go through some case studies. That's basically what I'm going to do today. Just tell you some stories of ways that I've been, this is my new thing, just telling people how I think that there's pink spoons in their vocation. Like strangers. It's been really fun. So I'm not necessarily suggesting that you do that with strangers, but this is basically what I've been doing with some people who I know, but also some strangers. So I'm just going to tell you some stories about that today, if that's okay with you. But what I'm suggesting is that we can find pink spoon moments in our vocation. And if at the end of today, you still can't find a pink spoon moment in your vocation, you have my permission to quit tomorrow. I mean, that's on you. I'm not going to, like, you know, help you out if you financially. I don't have anything that... But you have my permission to quit tomorrow. If there's absolutely no kingdom inherent value in your role, in your vocation, then, then yeah. I don't encourage the parents to quit, but that's different, right? So what we're looking for is the pink pink spoons in our life. Here's the framework, and I've got some slides for this too. If we're looking for the inherent value in our jobs, put that up there for me, would you? You want to discover the inherent kingdom value of your work, here's the three questions I'm suggesting today. You might have other questions, but here's three that I think are helpful. What about my work reminds me of Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit? Second, what reminds you of the kingdom of God in your work, in your workplace, in the work you do? And then third, What wrongs are made right? What wrongs are made right in your career? So I've got four people that are my case studies that I wrote up here on this board. And uh, I'm going to tell you about each of these folks and my semi-awkward interactions with all of them, okay? So the first one is Lee. He's sitting right there. Wave. Lee is my personal trainer. And um, I tell him all the time that he's ministering to me. And uh, I think he kind of, you know, it's a little awkward when I say stuff like that. And he's just kind of like, all right, just more sit-ups, all right? I don't know what your issue is. <laughs> oh, and I brought a picture of you, Lee. He thought I was just doing this to get my form right. And now he never thought I would be up here in front of 200 people. Isn't that funny? Love you. Isn't that great? That's good form, though, right? What do we call that? What do we call that thing? It's something row, something about rowing, skiing, downhill skiing, something. Anyway, so I'm telling Lee, you can take that off, poor guy. Put something else up there. So I'm telling Lee all the time that he's doing the work of God (laughs) in my life. How is he doing that? Well, it reminds me of God all the time that he's really nice to me but keeps making me do things that are harder because it's good for me. (laughs) That reminds me a lot of God, actually. 
and it's so encouraging. I've never given more high fives in the last five years than to Lee because I think people do the fist bump now, but we do the high five. And it's so encouraging. And it reminds me of God telling me, you can persevere. You can do this. Even if it feels difficult, it's good for you. You can do this. It reminds me in so many different ways. When I think about the kingdom of God and restoration and the fact that God's bringing restoration now and will fully bring restoration, that's what's happening to my body when I do things that are good for it, right? And he's encouraging me to do that. And there's little restoration moments happening all the time when I choose to do something that's good for me versus something that's not. And this is the most important way that I feel that Lee has represented God in my life. I am an ex-hockey player, and I have all these weird injuries from hockey. And it's been like 10 years since I've been able to regularly do active things. And I came to Lee and said, I have these injuries, and every time I do something, I get hurt again, and it's really discouraging, like really discouraging. And can we figure this out? And he helped me figure out how I could modify things so that I didn't mess up my knee again and my lower back, et cetera, et cetera. That, to me is like a reality of something so much bigger than myself. This, this third question, what wrongs are made right? Like, my body's not fully restored yet. Someday it will be. But that is a wrong that has been made right because of his vocation. Do you see the pink spoon moments in what he does? All right. No offense, Lee, but yours is actually kind of easy. Don't you think his, his is kind of easy? And all of you who are in helping professions, no offense, but it's a little bit easier there. So let's go with something harder. How about that? So Justin, I met Justin, um, the Commons, our new home for Mill City on every other day but right this moment, uh, over here in Northeast. Christian Ann and I were like, well, let's just walk around and see who our neighbors are. And so we come up upon this big warehouse, and it's got this cool logo on the outside of it that says C3, and I don't know what that is. And so, once again, my personality, I'm like, let's go inside. And the door was open, so we just walked right in. And so <laughs> Christian Ann and I go in there. Christian Ann's kind of like, what are we? Okay. And basically, there's this big warehouse and this guy, Justin and his wife, and then a whole team of people, and no idea what they're, I can't even tell what they're doing by looking at them. So I just say, hey, what did you guys do? And I introduce myself, and Justin explained that his dad had a patent on this little contraption, and it is made out of like a thick climbing rope and these two little hooks. And what it does is it helps you move um, shopping carts, Okay. And so he's got a patent on this idea that they now turned into a company. And there's actually a picture here. So see how it connects here? And then the next slide shows you what happens. It actually, like, bows them up. And so then somebody who's bringing the carts back in from Rainbow or Cub or wherever, Target, can easily maneuver them back into the inside of the, of the building. And uh, this is a really big deal for a lot of reasons. And he was explaining to me, as a good person who is an entrepreneur, why this is such a great thing, because it's safer, and it makes it so that you can more easily do something that actually would have been a lot harder. And then he said that it's a lot faster than those big machines that people have been using. And let's be honest, they cost a lot less than those really large machines. And so then I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. So what you're telling me is that you make it so that people's jobs are easier and faster and smarter and more efficient. I said all these different things. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he grabs this t-shirt that he gave me. That's our logo. That's what we do. Safer, faster, easier. <laughs> I swear I missed that. I think it was like on the walls, but I totally missed it. His company is called C3 for complete cart control. And I said, dude, I am totally going to talk about you in my sermon. We'd already let the cat out of the bag about the pastor thing. I said, I'm totally going to talk about you in my sermon. And he goes, why? 
And I was like, doesn't that sound like God? Not the faster part. God's always doing things slower than I want him to, but <laughs> like making things that are hard easier for you. Like that's what restoring work is. It's hard. It's not supposed to be hard. And when you let God be a part of that, it changes things. I'm like, man, what you do is the same kind of stuff that God does, but in a really tangible level that has to do with shopping carts. And people whose whole job, I mean, that's people's whole job, pushing shopping carts inside of a building. And he's making it safer and faster and easier for them. And then he said, well, that's amazing. Will you guys pray for me? I go, yeah, like 150 people will pray for you, man. So, Justin, write it down. 150 people, was it, you know? This guy, like, it just blew his mind. But I'm thinking, this is so real. Like, God does this. This is what God does. It reminds me of God. It reminds me of the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, there's nothing to fear. There's no need to worry that you're going to do something unsafe and you're going to get hurt. It turns out a lot of people get hurt in this vocation as you're pushing shopping carts in with moving vehicles. It makes sense. He's also working on a new safety vest design. And then the third thing, the third question, when I think about what this has to do with um, how basically wrongs are made right, I think about how he said he was really sure to tell me. We get all of our products and materials from sustainable places. We try not to take advantage of anybody and where we order our materials from. And he's creating spaces where people who might have not have work have work in his, his workplace there. I see that all over it. And I shared that with him. So you see the pink spoon moments in his vocation. All right, third person, Tina. Okay, true confessions. And this might be true for some men, but for a lot of us women, if we're really stressed out and we're feeling burnout, something that helps, it's temporary, is manicures and pedicures, okay? And you go in and you just feel great. And so I'm getting a manicure pedicure last week with one of my friends who is experiencing a really, really stressful time. And so we go in there and I decide I'm going to try this out again. So I just say, Tina, this is amazing what you do. And she goes, I don't think so. She straight up said, I don't think so. And I said, are you kidding me? We are so stressed out. And now we feel great. <laughs> and then I just went through basically these questions. And I said to her, you, you are somebody who makes a space that is very comfortable and inviting and brings peace. And you do things that give us an opportunity to have peace in the midst of chaos. And I said to her, I said, that reminds me of God. That reminds me of what God does. Also, you create things that are kind of not looking so great into things that are beautiful. And that's what God does. God creates beautiful things. And then I said the final thing, which is really important to me. I said, here's my true confession. When I get my nails done, all right, and I get the gel nails, gals, you know what I'm talking about? And you, like, when, if wrong things are made right, it is wrong when you break a nail. Like, it messes your whole day up, okay? I'm not even kidding. It makes me feel like I'm losing all control. And I don't have control of mo over most things in my life, but if I can have control over my hands, that helps. Okay, and I told this to her. I said, I honestly feel like I can handle all the uncertainty of life differently after I leave my time with you. And she said, man, that's going to change what happens when I get up tomorrow to come to work. I said, I hope it does because that has changed it for me. So, Tina. All right, finally, and I saved these guys for last because they're here also. Matt and Nicole. Where's Matt and Nicole? Right in the middle. Matt and Nicole Price, they own a company with their family called Rhinestones Unlimited. All right? Uh, they sell rhinestones at wholesale. They have a warehouse not too many blocks from here, not too many miles from here, that is full of sparkly rhinestones, all right? And in this place, they have, and is there a picture of me and Nicole? Put that up there. All right, so this is me trying on the blinged boots. 
They didn't let me take the blinged cowboy boots, but... And then this is Nicole posing next to these life-size posters. They've got these life-size posters everywhere of these dancers. And where on their uniform that they have rhinestones, they've actually placed a rhinestone on the poster. Yeah. So you walk by and you're like, oh, whoa. You know, there's like things, shiny things everywhere. That's amazing. And so for this job, it's stressful and more stressful than you'd think because people have what we've now termed rhinestone emergencies. Okay? where it's like an emergency that we don't have enough of the, of the topaz rhinestones for the, the, the outfits that we need to have for the dance recital tomorrow, okay? And so people are coming in here frantic because the only other place, pretty much, that you can get those is from Austria, and those don't come by the weekend. And so this is why this business has been successful because people have rhinestone emergencies every day. Did you know that? They do. And so Matt and Nicole and their family have employed a ton of people to make sure that people have their rhinestones when they think they need them. And Nicole said to me at one point a few weeks ago, she said, honestly, but what's really the point here? Like, what's really the point of what we're doing here? You know, and she was saying it nicely. She loves her employees and her job. But she just said, like, what's really the point? Matt and Nicole are a part of the Restore community that we have, missional community here that focuses on engaging relationships with people experiencing homelessness. So those felt like really different, like rhinestones and people looking for housing, right? And so they're wondering, well, what's the purpose in this? And I have to believe that there is deep purpose in their vocation. It's way different than engaging with people who are having a tough time. But there is kingdom purpose in what they do. What does God have to do with little small stones that bling things that are beautiful but largely unnecessary. In fact, I brought something that is blinged and beautiful. Actually, they brought it for me because I think it's too expensive for them to trust me with it by myself. Look at this thing, right? I asked a few people to wear it and nobody would. But look at that. I think that this costs thousands of dollars, is that right? Because these are imported from Austria and other made in places that they're really valuable. I'm trying to be really careful, Nicole. <laughs> so this is what they do. So what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? Let me tell you what I think it has to do with the kingdom of God. I've, been I've talked about this part of scripture all the time, Revelation 21. And I'm going to read part of it for you. This is, this is a vision that God is giving John about what's going to happen at the very, very end of the story when God comes and makes all things new. And this is what, what is said. John says, He, an angel, carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me a holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and gates and names on the gates, etc., etc. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement. It was 144 cubits thick. Remember that, 144. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. 
The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jankinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Every single one mentioned on the display of the colors outside of Rhinestones Unlimited. Every single one of them is on here. It's really shiny, isn't it? It's amazing. And then he says... Skip, skipping down to verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. God blings the new city just because God can. <laughs> like, do, do you get how God is so extravagant? Because God loves humans so much and gets so much pleasure when we experience pleasure. Like if somebody besides me was wearing that right now and did like a beautiful dance up here, like the lights that aren't God's light but are little human lights that we made would reflect off that and you'd have this feeling inside of you that's like, ooh. And I want to suggest that that feeling is a little pink spoon feeling. And so there's people in the workplace of Matt and Nicole, and some of them are here, who stand and count out, not with a pink spoon, count out rhinestones all day long into little tiny packages of 144 little rhinestones per bag. Because 12 times 12 is 144, and 12 is like the kingdom of God number. There is pink spoons all over Rhinestones Unlimited. In fact, if you want a glimpse of that aspect that we just read of the future kingdom of God, there is no other place in the state besides Rhinestones Unlimited where you can experience that. Like that is the closest space you can to experience all the amazingness that, that God's promising for the future reality because God's love is so extravagant and God wants to communicate to the world that that feeling that you have when you see something beautiful is how I want you to feel forever. And those folks who are counting those little rhinestones are making it possible for people to feel glimpses of that. That is a pink spoon experience. That is a pink spoon experience. So, I'm going to have the band come back up. And these are the questions. Can you see inherent kingdom value in your work? I encourage you to take those three questions. Have a conversation with somebody. Can you see the things that remind you of God and the kingdom and making wrong things right. It might be harder in some of your workplaces than others. I get that. I get that. But I think it's possible. And next time you have a plumber or somebody coming over to do the dirty work in your house, would you ever try to suggest to them how you see inherent kingdom value in what they do? Would we be willing to think outside of our own burnout to do that? Can we find the pink spoon aspects, the foretaste of the kingdom of God in our vocations? And could we perhaps then have just like a completely new perspective, a completely new posture of our heart as we go into to tomorrow. The end of Rollins' story is that 15 years later, he's still at that same job. Because that weekend when he was praying, God told him that he needed to stay. And he told me yesterday, nothing changed in my job except for me. And then everything changed. His whole experience changed. He was beginning to see like the pink spoon aspects of his job in his day-to-day -day experience and the posture of his heart changed. And as he works in this print shop printing things, he sees the way it connects 
with something that God is doing someday. And I want to promise you something. The work that you do now, even if it's mysterious to understand this, it's going to matter in that future time. The word of God makes it seem pretty clear that what we do now is going to continue on. It's going to matter in the future when we're with God forever. So as we go into worship, I just want to invite all of us. We're going to sing this song. It's a little bit of a new one. Um, but it's about the kingdom of God and inviting God to build God's kingdom wherever we are. Not just, vocation, not just where we live geographically, but vocationally. So I invite you to, to, along with myself, just to try to allow our hearts to have that posture that could make a humongous difference in what we're experiencing. Because if you are experiencing burnout and you switch jobs but do nothing about the posture of your heart, you will be burned out again. You will. So let's stand and sing. Let me pray as we go into this time of worship.